So as we look at Christmas time, um, we should be rejoicing. I mean, we should be uh, the most happiest people, you know, because we're, we're celebrating the birth of Christ. We're celebrating the birth of our Messiah, our Savior, and uh, the one who came into this world to and died on the cross for our sin. Uh, we should be rejoicing in that fact that he came so that we could have new life, so that we could have eternal life with Christ. But yet, on, in reality, Christmas is probably one of the most overwhelming times of the year for most people. Uh, they're trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to get? You know, what gifts am I going to get this year? Uh, who am I going to get for? Uh, do I have enough money to, you know, pay for for all these things that I want to do? And uh, and so for 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 us, it's so easy just to get so overwhelmed with the whole thing that we don't like Christmas. Um, it's so easy to lose sight of why we even celebrate the Christmas season. It can be, you know, we lose sight of it. Uh, in reality, our hearts can grow so calloused um, by the pressures around us that the Christmas season brings, and it can actually end up stealing our joy. And by the time, you know, New Year's Eve comes around, we're like, can this just be done and over with? And I can just close that chapter and start my new year off without having all this pressure. When our hearts start to become that calloused and hard, Christmas then becomes a have-to-buy celebration rather than how can I be a blessing to someone else. So how do you and I get through this time of year and come out rejoicing rather than depressed and not looking forward to having to pay off all the debt that you have accrued these last few weeks? Well, the first century Christians didn't celebrate what we know as Christmas. Uh, but there are several examples in Scripture of how to keep our joy when we give to the Lord as well as to others. And so as we look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let's go ahead and look at verse number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 1. <clears throat> Paul writes here, he says, For as touching the ministering of the, to the saints... It is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready, lest haply if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we say not ye should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now this morning I want to preach about the importance of giving 
with the right attitude. Let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer and then we'll get dive right in. Father, we thank you so much. Again, Lord, just for your love. And uh, Lord, I know sometimes this time of year is very difficult on people. It's very hard because we have uh, so much we want to do. We have so much that we're trying to do for others and and uh, trying to be a blessing to others. And, and honestly, it can be very exhausting. It can be very overwhelming. And Lord, I just pray that you would just help us, Lord, as we look this morning of how not to get overwhelmed, Lord, and having the right attitude with our giving, uh, not just financially and, and, and our ties and things like that. It's not the purpose of it. This is about when, uh, Lord, just you speak to our heart and our attitude of what we do when you do speak to our heart. And Father, I do thank you so much again. And I pray that you would speak to us this morning. Father, we need you. Uh, we just need your strength. And Lord, that we can be a blessing to others. I do love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first of all, here we see the Corinthian church responded to a need. Uh, Paul begins this chapter by writing about a need that some Christians had. If you look here in verse number one, he says, uh, For as touching the ministering to the saints, uh, it is superfluous for me to write to you. Uh, you see, it was a collection uh, that was being taken up for the Christians in Jerusalem. The whole reason why this portion of Scripture was even being brought is that they, there was a, a famine going on in Jerusalem, and uh, Paul was going around to several of the churches trying to raise money for uh, those in Jerusalem who uh, were uh, enduring the famine. And, uh, and so here, the Corinthian church was one of those churches. Um, and the Corinthian church had made a vow to give and raise funds for a whole year to help these Christians. Um, you know, for example, we do several, we do something similar every year. You know, usually we have uh, our tins that we collect. And, uh, and so we, we try to, to raise as much money, you know, throughout the year with our uh, miscellaneous leftover change and different things like that, um, just to try to be a blessing um, to the missionaries and, and different projects that, that, that uh, is put on pastor's heart each year. And, uh, and so here, this church was wanting to do something like that. Uh, they wanted to be a blessing. They wanted to, um, to help and, and these Christians that were needing uh, some extra to money to take care of, uh, to be able to feed them. And, um, and so Paul was saying, uh, in verse number two, he says, For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you uh, to them of Macedonia and Achaia was ready a year ago, and their, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Uh, you see, Paul said he really didn't, uh, he didn't really need to tell them, um, to write to them because he knew of their great desire to be a blessing to others. He wasn't telling them to, uh, make them feel guilty about having to give. And if anything, he was actually praising them for their charity and desire to help others. He said, it is superfluous for me to write to you. I don't even need to write to you is what he was saying. That's what he was meaning by that statement. Because um, he says, I know the forwardness of your mind. I know your desire to be a help and to be a blessing to other people. Um, but he said, I, I, I want, I'm writing to you though because I want to make sure that you're ready. Um, you see, they were such an example to other Christians that he even wrote about how touched he was at their desire to help these fellow Christians and that he couldn't help but praise the Corinthian church to those in Macedonia uh, and to Achaia. And so, I mean, he's he's 
you know, he's so encouraged by what the church in Corinth wants to do that he can't help. He said, man, this is what the Corinthians are planning on doing to help uh, these uh, Christians that are that are in Jerusalem. And uh, and so it actually encouraged these other churches to also be a blessing to also uh, to, to, to give to to people who needed uh, to need the help. And uh, in verse number uh, four says, lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me, he said, the reason why I'm writing to you is that in case uh, there are some that are from Macedonia that come with me and find you unprepared. In other words, they find that, you know what, you didn't really, you didn't raise what you desired to do. Um, he said that we say not ye, so not that you should be embarrassed, but that I would be, that we would all be in shame, would be ashamed in this same confident boasting because you know, we're so certain, we're, you know, what we're going to give this amount of money, we're going to raise this kind of money. And so here, the whole reason why Paul was writing to the Corinthian church was so to, was to make, to get them ready, to, to give them an opportunity. Um, you know what? There's, there's going to be someone coming and let's make sure that what we promise to do, that we do. And so he was trying to encourage the Corinthian church to make and have the right attitude with with their giving. You see, Paul understood that giving could be uh, very difficult, especially when it's commitment over time. And so he sought to help encourage them. Uh, I mean, you know, we've we've all been that way. You know, we try to, to maybe save money for a project or, you know, we try to, to put money aside. And, and let's face it, sometimes it just doesn't happen. Either something comes up, something uh, uh, you know more more important, more urgent comes up, and we have to maybe use that funds that we had put aside for something else, and we have to use that. Um, so we under so Paul understands that you know what it can be difficult keeping a commitment, um, but Paul wanted to tell them that you know what uh, there's going to be some people coming in the near future to collect the love offering. He didn't want them to be embarrassed. He didn't want them to be ashamed that they they missed their goal in which they were so zealous about. So Paul decided to send someone to deliver his letter to the church and to also encourage them to keep their goal and to keep giving towards it. Um, so what was the most important thing that, that Paul's going to be writing about? First of all, he was reminding them that they're supposed to give with a cheerful heart. You see, Paul reminded them that they should give as they purposed in their heart. You see, the men that Paul was sending, they weren't going to be going around and giving them a bill that they needed to pay. Um, Paul had no idea how much they raised. Paul had no idea what uh, what their goal maybe it may have been to the entirety. He didn't know what the difference was, and so he wasn't going to be sending people and you know to go uh, you know shake them up and give them get some money out of them. He wasn't going to do that. He wasn't going to go and give them a bill and say, okay, you owe this much, you owe this much, you owe this much, you owe this much. He wasn't going to do that because this was an offering that was out of their heart. And so what he was allowing is he was telling them uh, the Holy Spirit to work on their heart, the individual's heart, to fulfill that need and the goal that the church desired. He was saying as... You know, in verse number six, um, actually, sorry, verse number seven, he says, but every man 
according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Um, he wasn't going to send that bill. Instead, he said, whatever God puts on your heart, go ahead and give that. That'll be fine. But he said, don't just give it grudgingly. Don't give it out of necessity, but give it out of a cheerful heart. You see, the same goes for us with our giving within the church. As much as we may not like hearing about giving, giving is a part of worship. Uh, in Old Testament times, very few people came to the tabernacle and the temple without an offering of some sort. See, a sacrifice has always been a part of worship, going as far back as Cain and Abel. Uh, when, whenever, when someone desired to worship God, they always brought something to worship Him with. Some people actually came with only a peace uh, or a peace offering of thanksgiving. It was just an offering just to tell the Lord, thank you for all that he has done for that person. And that's found in Leviticus chapter 7, verses 11 through 13. We're not going to go there for the sake of time this morning. Um, you know, we think, well, uh, you know, we had all these different offerings that the Jews were supposed to do. But there was a special offering called the peace offering and the offering of thanksgiving where anybody could just come and just say, you know what, God, thank you for being so good to me. You know what, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve uh, all that you've given me. I don't deserve the family that you've given me. I don't deserve uh, what you have blessed me with. I just want to tell you, thank you. Thank you for everything that you've done for me. How often have you given to the Lord just to say thank you for what He's already given to you? You see, the principle of tithing is found throughout Scripture. The death and resurrection of Jesus did not put an end to tithing. Instead, it developed it even further. You see, the law demanded 10% of a person's income be given back to God. But now, it is as everyone purposeth. In other words, 10% is a good place to start, but that shouldn't be the maximum. And really, it's not the amount of money that you give that pleases God. It's your heart behind it. You know, last week, uh, Brother Dan uh, preached about the widow's mite. Uh, you know, all she had was just those two little pennies. Uh, compared to all the excess that people were giving. And it wasn't those who were given the excess that, that caught Jesus' eye. It was the widow with all that she, because she gave in all that she had. Because in her heart, she knew that, you know what? I'm trusting God. I'm trusting you to take care of me. I'm trusting you to, to meet my needs. Uh, whereas those who had given otherwise, they just gave in their abundance and just, it, they didn't really need God in, in their heart. And, um, but it was the, the intent of what they had given more than the amount that, uh, that God noticed. Now, whatever the amount is that you want, or, want to honor God with, that is God's to use within the ministry here. But if a special need comes up, it would be wrong to think, you know what, I've already given my tithe, I've already given my due, you know what, someone else can just give and, and take care of that especially when the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart, telling you to help with that need. Um, sometimes we, you know, we, we, you know, we give our tithe and, and that's good. That's really good. But then we say, oh, well, then I'm done for, I'm done for the week. I'm done for whenever it is, you know, uh, however often that, that you get an income. And we just kind of say, you know what? I'm done. Don't have to worry about anything else. I've, I've, I've paid my due. And then something comes up and, you know, maybe we have a missionary come in and a uh, missionary presents and, you know, and 
and a pastor wants to take up a love offering and, and we say, well, I already gave my tithe. I can't give any more to God. You know, we, I've already hit my limit. And, uh, and yet your Holy Spirit is tugging your heart saying, yeah, but you still got that tenor in your wallet that you've been saving for your coffee next week. Um, you know, why don't you give that instead? And, um, and it's wrong when we then push aside the Holy Spirit saying, no, I've already given. See, sadly, some view giving as just another bill. You know, you get your electricity bill, you know, you get all your different bills that you have coming in during the week, and, uh, and they think, oh, I just have to pay off God and I'll be done. Uh, they give because they believe that they have to, thinking that if they give, then they're going to get God off their back, and then they'll be on God's good side for the week. And uh, that's not how giving works. That's not how tithing works. And um, can you imagine, um, you know, we have that box back there. And this church is very wonderful. There's no pressure in this church to give. Pastor very seldom, very seldom ever mentions tithing in here. And we have the box in the back, you know, for anybody can give whenever they want. He doesn't pass the plates like some churches do because, uh, honestly, there's a lot of pressure when a plate is being passed in front of you. You almost feel obligated. Okay, I've got to put something in it. You know, but pastor wants you to give as you purpose in your heart. That's why he has the box in the back. There's no big sign, you know, electric sign saying, give here, give here, give here, give here. He's not that way. There's a little box back there, a little green box. That looks just like that. Very inconspicuous. Um, because he knows that if you're going to give, he wants you to give out of that cheerful heart. He wants your heart to be right with God when you give more than what you put in that box. I mean, can you imagine, you know, as we as we come in maybe on a Sunday morning or Sunday night, you know, we walk up to the box and like, you know, here's my tie. And like, I have to give again. You know, I just got this this week. And, you know, I've got I've got some things I have to, to pay for here. Just take it, you know, uh, you know, there I'm done with you for a week. Can, does God really want to be worshipped like that? No. I mean, when we put money in that box, we're saying, God, thank you for what you gave me this week. Thank you for even being able to have maybe the money to, 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 um, to have a meal, to have a roof over our head, to have clothes. Can I tell you what? We are blessed. We really are. When we look at the scope of things, we are a very blessed people here especially in ireland and yes i know there's there's issues with with uh employment and things like that but in reality no one has really starved this week no one has has had to 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 go in the dumpsters and try to find their meal um we've had we've been able to eat we've been able to to not have to to freeze out here and there's some that don't have that that opportunity and so when we give back Think, just just appreciate what God has allowed you to be able to do this this week. And just say, thank you so much, God, for taking care of me. And help me to be a blessing to someone else that maybe might not be as fortunate as I am. Maybe have some needs that, that uh, I know of that I, can, that I can be a help to. It says, whenever, <clears throat> whenever we are to give of ourselves in any circumstance... 
We're supposed to give without a grudge or because we have to. Um, do I want to pay the car tax on my car? No. <laughs> I don't want to. Uh, but, you know, I could, you know, so, you know, as soon as I, cause I do all mine electronically, you know, and as soon as I said that sentence, I said, here, take my money as, you know, I could, I could be that sour in my heart, that hard hearted, you know, rather than, you know what, first of all, I have a car. I have transportation. Um, you know, and so it's, it's all about our attitude of when we give, when we actually have to pay for something. Um, you know what? I don't like to pay my electricity bill. But you know what? If I don't, the lights aren't going to stay on very long. <laughs> and so instead of saying, oh, I have to pay this bill, rather than say, you know what? I'm thankful I have electricity to even have to run my house, to be able to have the light, to be able to, to have what I have. It's all about our perspective. It's all about... Um, how you view things of when you give, when you give to anything, whether it's your pay a bill, um, you know what, I, I have to pay rent, you know, and do I want to pay rent? No, but I know it's not my house. And so, you know, and because of that, I want to be a blessing and I don't want to be a, a hindrance to my landlord. And, uh, and so, so I, you know what, and so I give cheerfully. I try to. Uh, I try, you know, it's just, it's just something that, uh, really is learned. It's something that we have to learn to do. Because honestly, none of us likes to give money. None of us likes to, to give out money for anything that we don't want to give money to. And, um, but no matter what you do, um, just take a step back and say, you know what, um, at least God has given me things that I can be thankful for. You see, we're supposed to give with joy in our heart and love towards others. And as you continue your shopping this year, look at things with a different perspective. You know what? You don't need to spend far above your means for a gift for someone. I mean, I know all the kids are probably saying, get me a, a PlayStation 4, you know, get me all these games, you know, get me an iPad, get me an iPhone. And as parents, you know, we're, we sometimes probably feel obligated because, you know, we want our children to be, you know, on the same level as other children that might be in their school. And so we feel guilty, you know, getting them all that we can't afford it, but we try to give them these things because that's what uh, that's what they think they want or they think they need. And um, but in reality, honestly, whatever is bought, and if it's given with the right heart, any gift is a blessing to the person. Uh, because honestly, you don't have to give them anything. The fact that they give them something should be, they should be thankful for and grateful for. And if they're not, it shows that there's something wrong in their heart. That they're not grateful. They're not grateful for whatever had been given to them. And so you have to, to look at it and say, you know what? You'd be surprised just how much giving tests our hearts, whether or not they're right or not. You see, Paul, again, he had no idea how much had been raised by the Corinthian church toward their goal. But he did understand that people lose their vision and they lose their joy in giving to the Lord and to others, especially when there is so much competition around us for our time and resources. 
So that's why he was admonishing them to be a cheerful giver, to give with the right attitude. Second, or my last point this morning, is that God blesses those who give with the right attitude. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 8. Verse number 6 says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Verse number 8, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. You see, Paul outlines a principle of giving. The person who sows or gives sparingly shall reap sparingly. And the person who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Uh, Paul was using a farming illustration. And uh, what he was ex- explaining was, is that you know uh, when a farmer, when he gets his field ready, and he has the seed that he's going to plant, um, he doesn't just, you know, plant just a couple of seeds here and there and, you know, and hopefully they'll grow. Um, a farmer, he gets as much seed as he can. And, you know, and, and he'll put that seed in, you know, maybe little furrows there, you know, instead of just putting one, maybe he'll put, you know, three or four, just to make sure that, that something will grow out of that, that group. And so a farmer will, will put more seed in the ground then maybe what's necessary because honestly it's not going to all come up perhaps and uh and, but if you um but a farmer who's not very wise and he just you know just kind of scatters it here and there you know he's not going to reap a very good harvest rather the person who's been diligent and they invest and they try to make sure that there's enough seed that's going to grow so he was he was explaining that principle to them and uh so and for us, as we look at this, where it says, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. What Paul was saying here is that the more you invest for the Lord and in others, you'll reap it one day. You see, right now, you may be in a position to be a blessing to someone. But there may come a time in your life that you're the person that could really need the blessing. And if you, and if you've, and if you've always put, and you've always been cold in your heart, when you, when someone has had a need, you say, nope, not my problem. Not my problem. Not gonna give. Not gonna help that person. Uh, you know, they, they, they made their bed, so to speak. So they can sleep in it. You know, and we have that attitude in our heart where we're, we're not gonna be a blessing to others. Well, what happens when maybe you end up in that position? Where you don't have maybe the finances, maybe you uh, something happens in in your life and you don't have money, and and then all of a sudden, you know, you're hoping, man, I don't know, I, I just it'd be nice if someone just would help me with this need, and nobody does, because you were never there for somebody else. Um, when you when you do things for other people, God rewards that, and they'll be there for you when you need them. See, when we go out of our way and are a blessing to others, God notices that. Especially when it's to someone who can never repay or give back. Proverbs 19.17 says that he that hath pity, compassion upon the poor, lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he hath given, will he pay him again. 1 John 3, verse 17 and 18 says, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, 
and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That's a challenge for us. That, you know, when we see someone that, that maybe is just going through a hard time, uh, maybe they, they, they're, they're just going through a difficult time. They're going through a storm in their life. We're supposed to be a help to them. We're supposed to have compassion. We're supposed to, to be there for one another. That's what family does. You know, that's what a church family does. When someone is hurting, we're supposed to be there to give them comfort. When someone has, is going through a rough time, we're supposed to be there to help pick them up. That's what being a part of a church is. Because when it's your turn, you'll wish that you had people that cared about you. But the Bible says, for a man to have friends, he must first show himself friendly. So you need to just ask the Lord, Lord, what? how can I be a, a blessing to someone else? See, Paul writes that when we give with a cheerful heart, God is able to make all grace abound toward us. And that's an amazing thought just right there. That God is able to make all grace abound towards you. When you give with a cheerful heart. You see, Paul does not say that we'll be blessed with health, wealth, and prosperity. Instead, God does give us what is sufficient and in all things. Look here, verse number 8. That ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So you may not become a millionaire, but God will take care of your needs as you serve him. Now, there's some people that preach that, you know, if you give God a certain amount of money that they come up with, um, that God will give you a blessing in 10 days for it or a, a certain amount of time. That's a bunch of hogwash, if I may say so, because God is not someone who can be manipulated with material goods. Um, and sadly, there, there's people that believe that. They preach that God can be bought and that he can be manipulated with material goods. And that's not the truth at all. And all they do is they deceive people. Um, God will give you what is sufficient for your needs. See, if God, not the preacher, puts something on your heart to give to God or to someone who may be in need, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. Give to be a blessing instead of for the blessing. Let me, let me repeat that one more time. Give to be a blessing instead of for the blessing. A lot of people, they give because they want to be blessed. Give to be a blessing. That'll change your life. When you look and say, you know what, it's not about me. It's not about what I'm going to get out of this, out of this deal or what God's going to give me because, I, because I'm a blessing to someone else. Look to be a blessing rather than for the blessing. Um, can I be honest with you? When I first got saved, giving was not something that came easy for me. Um, <clears throat> I, I kind of tend, I, I can be very scrupulous. In other words, if there's a person who could be Mr. Scrooge, I could be it. <laughs> I'm, you know, it's just a habit of mine. I'm a, I, I'm a penny pincher. Um, 
you know, Tony will, will admit in the office, you know, I, I look at every little receipt and say, okay, can we do this? Can we do that? And uh, can we, you know, can we afford this? Can we do this? And, um, um, but that's just, that's just how I've always been. You see, I didn't, uh, when I was growing up, I, I didn't grow up with an allowance. So when I first started getting any money is when I started working. And, um, and I didn't just spend it on, on frivolous things. And, uh, and so when I became a Christian, this whole thing about giving to God was difficult for me. Because first of all, I wasn't seeing the benefit of it right away. You know? Uh, because when you, when you're in the world, you know, when you, when you put money into something, you expect a return. And, uh, and so, when I first, when, when I first started learning about giving, it was a challenge for me. Um, because I, 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 I had a hard time actually giving. And, um, and really, it took me a long time. You know, cause, for example, um, like, you know, I think I was working a full-time job. And, uh, you know, when our, my church back home, you know, they do pass the plate. And, uh, and so rather than giving like a tithe, I just would throw in five dollars, you know, saying, "Oh, there you go, I gave that week." And um, but the thing is, my heart wasn't right in, wasn't right with it. I was just giving something just to give, you know. I wasn't giving something because of of wanting to give, wanting to worship God with my money. And uh, and so God really had to work on my heart. And um, and one of the things, that, especially when it came to, you know, our church back home had a big emphasis on missionaries. And um, and we had something that's called faith promise mission or faith promise, which is what we're we kind of have here, you know, where um, uh, the, our our church has a special collection that they give, and that's how they support their missionaries every month, rather than coming out of the tithes and offerings of just a general fund coming in uh, and by the offering. So basically, people would maybe every week or once a month or whatever. They would give a, an amount in addition to their tithe for missions. Um, well, I always had a commitment, you know, and I would commit and I would write down an amount. And I'll be honest with you, and I'm actually very embarrassed of this, I would never hit my goal because I never saw it as important. You know, I didn't see the investment. I didn't see the return of it. You know, okay, yeah, I'm giving this money to someone who I'll never see. You know, how does that affect me? And um, it wasn't until I went to Mexico on my first missions trip that it changed my life completely. Uh, I went down there and I um, got to be in the ministry, so to speak, of some of our, our, our missionaries that my church had there in Mexico. And when I was there and experiencing what they were doing, the people who were being saved, the people that they were ministering to the lives that were being changed it changed me because i you know even though i didn't see the investment when i was putting in the plate going to that and being in the field that changed my heart because i said you know what even though i'm not seeing it god is doing something great through here and so when i when i got back it changed me completely no longer was i giving to get so to speak giving to to get the blessing I was giving because I knew that I was investing in, in something that God can do in people's lives. And that is why I began to give. 
Um, and God would use that, that time in Mexico to soften my heart to call me here. Had I not gone to Mexico, I don't think I'd be here today. Because God used that trip to show me the need for the gospel in another country outside of America. And America needs missionaries. They need gospel preaching churches as much, if not more, than any other place. But it showed me the need. It showed me what the ministry was about. And why and how my finances, as maybe as pitiful as I saw them in my own eyes, that God could take that, use it, magnify it, multiply it, and change people's lives all over the world. And um, when I got back, I said, you know what? I want to get more involved with my giving. I want to have the right heart when I give. I don't want to, you know, um, then I, I would be the person that, you know, once once I figured out, okay, 10%, you know, okay, I've got... Um, you know, I've got a hundred. I made a hundred and one dollars this week, so uh, I'm going to give um, ten dollars and one cent. You know, <laughs> that's that's my, my that's how I am. My that's how I think. But Jennifer can 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 testify of this as well. When I came back from Mexico, it changed, and honestly, ten percent. That's the bottom line. That's not the maximum line. That's the bottom line. And very rarely do we ever give just 10%. We will give maybe just a little bit extra. And we also support missions back in our home church, which is not part of our tithe. It's a special offering that Jennifer and I believe that God wants us to be involved in with, with our missions back home. Um, you know, and if something happens, you know, or there's a, a need in the church, we don't just say, oh, well, I've already given my time this week. I've already given my all that I can this week. I can't do it. And so we say, Lord, that's, if that's what you want us to do, then we'll do it. You know, and it, and it takes a, a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit because Jennifer will tell you whenever she wants to buy something for somebody else, whenever she wants to buy something for somebody else, I'm usually like a, you know... I'll be honest with you, I'm, you know, kind of like a, you know, as soon as you're walking up the path and all of a sudden, you know, the donkey just puts its haunches right there and is not budging. I can be that way sometimes. Because, you know what, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? Can you, you know, and, and Jennifer's like, I just want to be a blessing. <laughs> you know, and that's just how she is because she's a giver. Um, and so, I it, it helps me. It's 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 brought me a long way. I'm I have no way near arrived of how my heart should be with giving, because um, then sometimes you know Lord will put someone on my heart and you know and I'll get something for them and, and then she'll say you're not a Mr. Scrooge. You know you think you are, and um, you know and so um, really it's it's um, it's something that we all grow. It's something that we all develop in. And the more that you trust the Lord with your finances, the more that you trust the Lord uh, in your life, the more that you can rely upon Him, you'll see that He'll take care of you. He'll give you that sufficiency for all of your needs. That you may abound, that you may continue to serve Him in every good work. So the secret to keeping joy in your heart during this holiday season is found in the following letters. 
J-O-Y. Putting Jesus first, others second, self last. When you put God first and you put yourself last, you'd be surprised just how much you enjoy giving to other people and you enjoy giving to the Lord. You see, we should give out of our love for God and for others. That should be our main motivation to enable our joy this season. And uh, this quote is always changed, has, is one of those quotes that just changes your life. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Let's think again a couple of seconds. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Let's just face it. You know, when we, we, when, when we love something, we'll give something to it. A lot of times, though, we love ourselves more than anything else. And so we always give what we want rather than the people that we really need to love, and especially our Savior. I met a lot of people who say they love God, but they don't do nothing for Him. Do they really love Him? Do they really love Him? Or is it just an emotion? See, love is really an action. See, I love my wife and I give things for my life, for my wife because I do love her. I want to, I want to please her. I want to make her happy. I want to just be a blessing to her. Does God need our money? No. But it shows how much you love Him. When you give with the right heart, you show them, you know what, God, I love you. I, I'm thankful for all that you've done in my life, all that you've given me, and I just want to be a, a blessing and give back to you. That's what we should, that's the attitude that we should have when we give. Now, in conclusion, how's your attitude been this Christmas season? <clears throat> have you turned into the Grinch or Mr. Scrooge yet? I know it's easy to do, especially with all the pressures that we have coming up the season. I mean, can I be honest with you? Yesterday was insane at the shopping center. There was so many people there. And it's so easy to get caught up in, in, you know, caught up with all the stuff that's going on. Um, but how are you doing? How is your attitude this, this Christmas? Though it is very overwhelming at times to buy for everyone that you wish to, take a step back. Take a deep breath. And ask what the Lord would have you to do. Ask what the Lord would have you do for that person if you want to buy them something. When we see a need in the church and for another person, we should strive to be a blessing and give. That should, it should be just second nature to us. The attitude of your heart when you give is more important than the amount you give. So give cheerfully. It's not about, it's not the amount that God cares about. It's your heart behind what you give is what matters the most. God blesses those who give with the right attitude. He constantly gives to us out of love and for our good. I mean, God is constantly giving and blessing us when we don't deserve it. And yet, He loves us so much that He keeps on blessing, keeps on giving, keeps on uh, just encouraging us. And sometimes we, we think, Lord, I didn't deserve this. Why are you? Why do you do this for me? And it's because He loves us. He loves each and every one of us. And then lastly this morning, you can give without loving, 
but you cannot love without giving. I just want you to, to think about that phrase this afternoon and maybe this week and just think, you know, um, how is your love? How is your love going? Let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer and then we'll go ahead and have our hymn, hymnal song. Father, we do thank you so much again for your love. Lord, I pray that I was able to be a help to someone this morning. Lord, I know it could be so so discouraging during this time of year. It is a rat race out there sometimes. Lord, where people are just trying to buy, 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 buy. And, um, and, and it, you, it's amazing how you see what is really in a person when it comes to a sale or a discount. And uh, it's, it's a tragedy. It really is how we become so consumed with materialism and material goods that uh, in order to make people happy rather than just knowing that, you know what, they're loved and just wanting to be a blessing to them because you do love them. And uh, Father, I pray that you would just help us, Lord, as we go through our life, Lord, that we do give cheerfully. Uh, Lord, sometimes I know it can be it can be difficult giving. It can be hard to give because sometimes we don't have it. And that's when our faith has to come in. That's when our trust has to come in. Lord, you have promised that you would take care of us. And uh, I do pray that you would help us to give, Lord, as you would. And Father, I do thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.